welcome to episode two of Art Mythos, African mythology told through art. We are your hosts, Solomon and Adra. Yeah, and this is our second episode. We're so happy to be back doing this because I really enjoyed the last episode and we hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, it was an amazing little time telling some stories, have some laughs, and I hope you guys laughed too a yeah. little bit. <laughs> um, so we just like to give a special thank you, shout out to everyone that left reviews for us. So yeah, so Abby, thank you so much for your review. Um, so he really enjoyed the aspect that um, gods can um, look over every aspect of life. So the sun, the moon, um, water, fire, that was pretty cool. Thank you to Femi Hendrix as well. He said it was interesting, warm and funny. <laughs> um, ANC United, he said a great topic, um, a great way of binding our interests. So that was really nice to hear. And mm. uh, thank you to Taya LIGB, who said it's incredible, great listening and so interesting and informative. So thank you guys. Thank you. We much. appreciate <laughs> we really you. Appreciate we love it. you. <laughs> <laughs> love you. That's why we do it. <laughs> So yeah, we just wanted to say a special thank you to everybody. And we're going to kick it off. Right. Um, so last time we spoke about origins and creation. And today we're talking about death and diseases. Ooh. Focusing on an Orisha god who inspired one of our paintings, Time Heals All. Mm-hmm. And so the Orisha we're talking about is called Babaluaye, who is associated with infectious diseases and healing. He is said to be um, representing Olorun, the Sky Father on Earth. And the translation of Babaluaye is um, Father, Lord of the Earth. In West Africa, he's associated with the epidemic of smallpox, but other culture, um, in other cultures, um, he has roles as uh, a patron of leprosy, influenza, and AIDS, all the good stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess we're adding Corona into this. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. he's the reason for Corona. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's important to um, understand that his role is also to cure these diseases, not just to infect people with mm-hmm. these diseases. Um, so this is why he's both feared and loved. And like a certain dark lord, <laughs> Voldemort, um, it said you should avoid calling his name to um, avoid invoking a pandemic. So please remind me to beep the name out um, <laughs> back. Um, so yeah, it's important to note that um, he is not the Orisha of death. That is Iku, um, whose responsibility is to take life. Um, but yet he works closely with him. And the diseases that um, Babaluaye infects, you know, brings great calamities to humans. And so that's enough reasons to fear him. Plus, we just really like his origin stories, you know? Yeah, we yeah. really do. So um, uh, there is no precise origin for Babaluaye. So unlike many Orishas, he's shared by loads of spiritual traditions. Um, so he does, however, have a long history in West Africa. So with the Ewe, the Fon and the Yoruba people. Mm-hmm. Um, so just in case you don't know who these people are, the Fon people are located in Benin um, and they commonly call him Sagbata. And the Ewe people of Ghana represent, mm. <laughs> and Togo. And they refer to him as Aning Bato, um, which is Ewe for owner of the earth, which kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. he owns diseases are a lot to do with the earth. And like, you know, 
So, um, however, the Yoruba people are the most commonly associated with the Orisha of Abu Luaye. So, <coughs> yeah. that's where we go from there. Um, the children of Abu Luaye are said to work in a medical or spiritual capacity. So, if this description sounds like you, then you're probably a child of Abu Luaye, okay? So, the children of Abu Luaye, um, they may have suffered a skin condition when they were younger. They're generally happy people, although they do have tempers. Um, they show a quick aptitude for healing um, and they're attracted to the positions ranging from surgeons to medical researchers to shamans. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, historically, these are said to be the descendants of Babalu Waye. Yeah. Um, that sounds like your family. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go there. <laughs> um, okay. It also sounds like you're doing like the horoscope and all that, you know. <laughs> Um, so a fun fact I came across was that um, in 1917, British colonial authorities in Africa banned the devotion to WIA oh. when priests were accused of deliberately spreading smallpox. So that means the religion went underground with Baba being worshipped as Oluwa, which means the Lord. So, oh. yeah. Um, and another fun fact I came across was... If you ever find yourself praying to him and you want to give an offering, it's good to offer beans, roasted or popped corn and other grains such as, oh, and other grains as well as rum or dry white wine. Okay. Um, You should never offer him peanuts or sesame seeds because they're taboo. So that's a big note for him. Like, uh -uh. uh-uh. He's uh allergic or? (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Ask him. Um, so there's actually a, spe- a specific prayer to recite if you want to communicate with him. Do you want me to say the prayer? I mean... I mean, when Corona times, I feel like we should just, just say the prayer, just, like, just, we need just, to get rid of Corona. I need to see the 21st of June, you know. Let's hear okay? it, fam. So this is the prayer. God of the epidemics and the sick, I pray to you now, have pity on us, your children. O glorious father, keep sickness away from my home and protect your children from epidemics. Thank you, my father. Oh, that sounds like a prayer we should be saying anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the origins in Africa of Babra Luaye. Um, So now we're just going to tell you guys our favourite origin stories of him. There's so many, as I've said, because he's like a a Russia of so many different West African countries. But we've picked um, our favourite ones that we want to tell you guys. So, yeah, yeah, Saul's going to go first. (laughs) Yeah, so as Adra said, you know, as this is um, mostly told through oral traditions, different people might have different interpretations or, I guess, mm-hmm. different, slightly different origins of what the stories, you know, sort of involve. Um, but Babaluaye is known as, you know, as an outcast and a champion of the disenfranchised. Um, his origin story um, as an Orisha, um, I heard, was this. So this is my one, yeah. Yep. So, in the old days, when the African world was being created, Babaluaye was a young and handsome prince. If you need a more relatable, you know, imagery, you can always (laughs) think of me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he was not a disciplined um, or organized person. 
He wanted to live his own life and not obey the older Orishas, which I guess is relatable. Um, you know, I get that sometimes. Um, he was so disobedient, in fact, that he caught every single contamination in Yoruba land. That is not as relatable. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, what they mean to say is that um, he belonged to the streets. He was very <laughs> promiscuous. He caught every STD. He caught, he caught smallpox and leprosy and, and everything. Wow. Um, anyway, um, all the Orishas in the city complained and exiled him because of his conditions. He had smallpox, leprosy, you know, STDs. Mm-hmm. I guess we can add Corona to it. And, you know, yeah. uh, everything, you know, even his own sons disrespected him because he was basically now a crippled old man walking with a cane. Um, Esu, um, who I think is the trickster um, Orisha, was the only one who pitied him. Anyway, so exiled, he traveled around passing towns and villages, blessing those that helped him. Um, So on the roads, he meets Esu again, who took him to Orimali, um, you know, who we spoke about in the last episode. He's the, you know, wise God. Um, So people come to him for counsels and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So Orimali said he would think about something. He would consult Ifa. Um, and he said that you were exiled because you lacked discipline and you are disobedient, but you might be greatly admired in another land. Mm. Um, but first you need to make Igbo, um, with different grains and keep a dog as your constant companion. So, you know, um, in the other story, he told Ob- Obatala that he needed a black cat. So I guess this is this his... time he's giving him a dog. Yeah, this is his MO. Like, <laughs> like just giving an animal. Yeah, I, I think he owns like a like a stray pet sanctuary. He's just trying to give <laughs> away trying to give, <laughs> give away pets. What's Ebo? Is it food? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, because you have to make it with grain. Right. But I have to look into that one because yeah. I'm not completely sure. Um, so. Anyway, so WIA listened to his counsel and SU gave him a dog and he continued on his journey until he reached the homie. The homie? The homie. The homie. The homie. The homie. The homie. The homie. The place you were talking about last time. The the homian people, yeah. Do you know what I thought you were saying? I thought you were saying the homie as uh, it. Yeah, yeah, he reached the homie, homie. Yeah, yeah, he reached the homie. Um, but yeah, he reached the homie as in the land. Um, um, now, so it's said that the people of the land um, paid homage to terrestrial um, Orishas. So that means that Orishas of the earth and soil, which Baba Luaye yeah. is one of, as yeah. you said earlier. Um, so at the time, everyone sort of lived on their own, except the king there who believed himself to be a god. Now, so I'm confused because I guess the boundaries between people and Orishas is really blurry. I don't know who's, you know, at that time, are there people living there as well? Or is it an Orisha land? But yeah, it's just, this is just what the story is. Um, But when this king saw Babaluaye, he knelt at his feet and asked for forgiveness. for his wrong deeds so this king he used to like plunder kill and did whatever his heart desired like so, joffrey yes like joffrey <laughs> game of thrones we've been watching game of thrones again just so you know um 
So yes, I'm, but he also sounds like Babalu Aye if you think about it. Yeah. They, they never really re- um, talk about it, but he sounds like yeah. a human version of Babalu yeah. Aye. But apparently, it has no relevance. Um, he kneels and he, you know, begs Babalu Aye for forgiveness for his wrong deeds. And um, so when Olofi um, saw this, um, he blessed Babalu Aye um, for listening to Arimalai. Um and then Olofi. Um, anointed Babalu Aye with a fish and cleansed Babalu Aye from his illnesses. Um, and so this is how Babalu Aye established his kingdom and he developed a gentle personality and became a great king. Um, so you might be wondering who um, Olofi is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't sure as well. Um, but Olofi is an aspect of the supreme god. So you know, in the last episode, we were talking about um, Olorun, yeah, um, the Sky Father. So apparently, there's like three aspects or manifestations of him. Yeah. So there's like um, Olodumare, which is the creator. Olodumare, that's it. Anyway, and there's Olorun, who's the ruler of the heavens, yes. and then Olofi, who's like the conduit um, between the heaven and earth. Um. Yeah, so just in case you wanted to know why he had the power to just cure the illnesses. Yeah. So anyway, so that is the origin story of Babalu Aye. It's sort of like a story of, you know, a man who, you know, started as a disobedient and, you know, disorganized person that didn't want to listen to anyone. Um, he was exiled, but eventually started to listen to wise counsel and then he developed a better personality. Um, I guess this is why people really like the story of Babalu Aye. Yeah. It's like a redemption Redemptions. arc, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is my origin story story of Babalu Aye. Lovely. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah. Okay. Hi, what have you got? <laughs> my origin story is completely different to yours. <laughs> so mine's also from the Yoruba people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this story, they refer to Babaluaye as Shopana. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of being like beautiful and you know, handsome, like you, he, he mm-hmm. was old and lame. Damn. Right? So, yeah. So one day, Obatala, the father of Rishas, from your story, that's mm-hmm. what you know, um, he threw a celebration at his party. Um, but when Babaluaye tried to dance, he stumbled and fell because he was old and lame. So, you know, two left feet sort of situation. That's how you got to stick to the two-step, you know. You can't go wrong on the two-step. You know, the uncles that are just trying, like... Uh, yeah, I'm doing too much. Anyway, so, yeah, he stumbled and fell, and the other Orishas laughed at him. And he, in turn, infected them with smallpox. Damn. Yep. So, Obatala stopped him and drove him into a bush um, and told him to stay there. And that's where he lived as an outcast ever since. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Some people say that he went into exile among the neighboring Fon people of Benin. So that's an explanation as to why, you know, they have their own version of Abuloye mm. that I mentioned um, earlier. So <laughs> it's a really short story, but I found so many similar to this. So I'm just going to say another interesting legend okay. that is literally the same as that. Okay, but before you, that, so yeah. are you saying that his origin story there is he couldn't <laughs> dance? <laughs> so he was exiled. Like shame. Yes, his origin story was that he, he, it's not that like he couldn't dance. He was old and lame, 
So obviously when he tried to dance, he just fell over and all the other Orishas laughed at him. And he doesn't like being laughed at. He's so he <laughs> So he infected them with smallpox and that's how he smallpox got into the world because he was so angry that they were laughing at him. Okay, we should stop laughing. Yeah, so don't laugh at people. <laughs> so yeah, um another legend which is like literally so similar to this one. Um mm. was that okay, instead of him being old and lame, he was a lame beggar. It's kind of same but different. Um mm. So again, people mocked him and abused him um, past his point of endurance. So he took a broom and he swept some sesame seeds into the air, which magically created fever, pestilence, and most importantly, smallpox. Um, and be- sesame seeds? Yes. I like sesame seeds. And do you know what's funny? Because remember when I said that um, sesame seeds are stuff you should not offer to him? Mm. Um, I hope I said that because I definitely did say that. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So he swept that into the air and um, created all these like diseases and fevers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, because of this, nobody mocks him anymore because they can see how powerful he is and he has the ability to literally make people sick. Um, I mean, you should have started with this before we started laughing. Cause... I know, right? You should have shown your strength. <laughs> But yeah, so those are my two mini origin stories. Um, And I quite like them because it's like, it's more of like a villain story, like, you know, revenge kind Mm, of. mm, mm. This seems like a a villain origin story to me. I'll show you love. (laughs) I'll show you love. But yeah, so that's why I like these ones because he was just minding his business, you know, being an old lame guy, a beggar. And people just, (laughs) they, they thought that they could mock him. And he yeah, so showed them what he could do. Yeah. Let's be nice to people that can't dance. That, that's what I've taken <laughs> that's away the from this. Story. <laughs> if you can't dance, I ain't gonna laugh and gonna look the other way. I mind my own business. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, now we're going to um, speak about our painting, um, "Time Heals All," which you can see on our website or on our Instagram if you want to have a look at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, basically our depiction of Babaluaye. Um, so his traditional colours are like earth tones, so like yellow, you know, brown, um, purple. Some people say his traditional colours resemble the colours of a bruise as well. Right. Obviously, because when you're ill, yeah. I, I can guess like the pos or yeah, exactly. sort of thing. Yeah, Um so we went majorly with the yellow, the gold vibe. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like we, we put it a bit more on the gold side of it. Yeah. Because, you know, sort of like make a statement, make an impact on it. Yeah. And um, we also obviously chose the handsome version of Pablo Ia rather than my old lame beggar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. That guy, that guy pretty. He's pretty. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty. <laughs> That's a pretty guy. <laughs> Um, and in African traditions, Pablo Ia is often shown as a muscular man. Um, so if you, and like, they often depict him as someone who has curtains or something that hides his sores and his scars or smallpox. So if you look at our painting of him, most of his face is covered with this gold, dark Mm. brown and black. And you can just imagine that as hiding like the scars left over by the diseases that he's had and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah. you know, you're kind of sort of drawn into his eyes still. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and he really does evoke that mysterious kind of 
you know, when you imagine death, you imagine someone that's kind of mysterious and like you don't know what's going on about them. Like his head is kind of like facing a certain way and it's like dark and ominous. Yeah. So. Yeah. I hope it gives all of these vibes that we're saying. Um, but yeah, definitely have a look at it and yeah. let us know what you think about it. Yeah. And I hope that um, our stories and our <laughs> descriptions of him kind of help you understand better our painting and yeah, you know, the and thought process behind that and the meaning behind it because yeah. we were really just exploring all these stories ourselves and trying to see um how we would depict someone best so tell us if you think that we got it right you know how would you have done it yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay um so now we're just going to tell you guys um so like last week we told you guys our favorite um creation stories now we're going to tell you guys our favorite death and afterlife story. Okay, so now we're going to talk about death. Now that sounds so morbid, <laughs> but I think it's so interesting how, you know, cultures think of death and because it's something that we all have to confront one way or another and explaining it as a concept, especially in the older times would have been hard, right? Yeah. Um, so what would you have, you know, what would you say um, when your child said, why do people die? <laughs> so the to the story I'm going to tell today is called How Death First Entered the World. And so this is by the Karachi people um, of West Africa. They're the Ghanaians you were talking about last yep, week. Yep, the same people. Yeah, yeah, same people. Okay, so it starts many years ago. There was a great famine spread across the land. And so the eldest son of every house was sent to search for food and could only, and they could, they could not return without something for um, the family to eat. And so in this story, there was a young man who had this responsibility and wandered in search of food deeper and deeper into the bush he went until he got to the point where he did not recognize where he was anymore. He noticed a large form lying on the ground, approached it, hoping it was dead and was a good source of food. As he stepped forward, the form began to move. He saw that it was not an animal, but a ferocious looking giant with flowing white hair that stretched for miles in the ground. The giant opened one eye and shouted at the man, explain your presence. The boy was scared, but after a while, he managed to say sort of why he was here and that he was here for food. Mm -hmm. The giant said, I am Uwu, but people also call me deaf. You've caught me in a good mood, so I will give you some food and water if you do this some tasks for me and chores. Yeah. So the young man was so happy. Um, he said, "Yes, I'll help. I'll help you." And helped the giant. And you know, the giant, you know, sort of gave him a few meals. Yeah. So Uwu um, arose and walked towards his cave and started roasting some meat. 
The man had never had such tasty meat in his life. I feel like there's some fine prints to this. Of course there is. <laughs> but the man said, I've never had this this good food ever in my life. It's the best food of my life. <laughs> um, so for a long time, the boy served the giant and ate his food. One day, the boy was getting homesick and wished to go back home. Mm-hmm. He begged his master if he could... Um, if he could go back home. Wait, sorry. I'm just deep in how peak this is. So his family are waiting for him to bring food. And he's here just eating food. He's, yamming, he's yamming it down. Wow. He's, he's uh, the best food of his life. He's just, his family's just chilling, waiting for him. Okay. But, yeah, you know, that's just how the story sort of goes. So Uwe replied, you can visit your family on the condition that you bring a boy to replace you. And so he said yes And he went home He told his family about the story And convinced his younger brother To replace him for a while Now I don't think the family asked enough questions Yeah But they just left it at that So um, his younger brother replaced him as You know You know he led him back to his cave So after several months um, He was missing the meat that he had um, With the giant And so he returned he knocked on Uwu's door and said um, he would like more of that that good stuff. He sounds it sounds like this meat was laced with crack. Because he's like, um, can I have some more? <laughs> yeah. Um so the giant said, very well, you can, you know, you can get some more, but you have to work again. Yeah. Obviously. So he said yes. Um he ate and worked. Um and the meal lasted weeks. He ate his fill until he realized he hasn't seen his brother. I was right thinking, now. where's his brother and all of this? We don't know. The giant oh, just simply said, the, the giant simply just said, you know, he's gone away on some business for him. Um, so once again, the boy got homesick and wanted to go back home. Yes. The giant agreed on the condition that he brought back a girl to carry on with his oh. duties. So the man hurried back home and begged his little sister um, to go and she eventually accepted and she went accompanied with a slave um, companion her own age. Like, you know, when some have like slave girls with them. So after a short while, the boy again started to salivate for that good meat. This boy has issues. He has major issues. <laughs> Wait, so all this time his brother still hasn't come back and he's not saying anything. He just wants the meat. Yeah. It, okay. He, he wants the meat, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so he goes back to the cave, um, but the giant wasn't happy to see him this time. He was sort of like grumbling and then he, you know, eventually said, yeah, you can come in. And he pointed to a room in the back and said, you can help yourself um, to some meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so the young man took a juicy bone and started munching away. Um, but to his horror, mm-hmm. he recognized that this was a sister's thigh. Wait, what? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yep. They said he recognized this was his sister's. How did he recognize bite? it was his sister's bite by eating it? Like, how did he know Fam. that this is? Yeah, this is my like. How? Fam, he 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 literally said, "I recognize this ass. <laughs> oh. My sister's ass. Oh my God. <laughs> Basically, that I I didn't say this. I'm reading from this. This is what he said. I'm reading between the lines. Don't judge me." Yeah, this is just carry on. Just carry on, please. (laughs) Okay, um, 
So as he looked more closely, he was appalled. It was appalled um, to discover that he had been munching away on his sister's <laughs> thighs <laughs> and the slave girl. Um, so is it too soon to say that she was a snack? No. Okay. Cool. Um, <clears throat> don't look at me like that. Take anyway. my silence as an answer. <laughs> Take my silence as an answer. Anyway, so he ran back to the village to tell the elders. Um, so they sounded the alarms and they got all the people to investigate um, the giant's dwelling. Um, and as they got closer, they became scared. Um, so what they did was that they followed the giant's long hair to where it reached and torched it. When it was alight, they hid in a bush close to the cave and waited for the giant's reaction. So Uwe began to get hot and started sweating. Is it just me or was it hot in here? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or was it my hair burning? <laughs> ah, it's getting hot in here. Yeah. Anyway, so he ran out of the cave burning and screaming with his head on fire. He collapsed to the ground and the villagers approached. When the young man, um, the young man sort of like went to his head and saw a small bundle of white stuff in the roots of his hair it was medicine it sounds like crack but yeah it was medicine apparently it's really powerful medicine yeah he took it and examined it and eventually he sprinkled it on some of the meat in the cave yeah um, like the leftover bones or whatever and his sister the slave girl and brother came back to life mm? yeah they okay. came back to life it is like really powerful healing medicine and so with what was left of the white stuff he suggested sprinkling it on the giant's um, to restore it back to life because the giant helped him and they saw I mean the giant also killed his siblings and made him eat them I mean them. it was also his fault for not asking enough questions okay alright anyway yeah. he I, to be honest, I think he just wanted more meat on the slide if, 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 I, if I'm honest with okay. you um, yeah. but yeah so he pleaded to use it to restore the giant everyone obviously said no he said they said is it crack you're smoking <laughs> like why would we restore yeah. it um, but yet he insisted on it and so he sprinkled some over the giant's eyes it opened and yeah, as soon as he sprinkled it, it opened. Mm-hmm. So everyone ran because if you, if you just see awake, the giant yeah. like, eyes just open. Um, but it was only that eye that was brought back to life. And mm-hmm. But it's from this eye that death comes from. For every time Uwe shuts that eye, a man dies. <gasps> and unfortunately, he keeps blinking to get the dust out of his eye. So that's the story of how death first entered the world. That's crazy. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Sorry, I've got a few questions here. I got questions. So this is how the story of how death first entered the world. Yes. But what was his brother and sister if they weren't dead and he was eating their remains? You're asking too many questions. <laughs> they weren't dead. They were part of the circle of life. Okay. okay. They were nourishment. They were meats. They were snacks. Yeah. They were a part of him. They live in him. He lives in him. Yes. Me. Honestly, that's what it was. They weren't dead. Okay. But now people be dying. It's, it's like, you know, the death note when someone writes in Yeah. Dies. yeah but yeah, he, he, he's just blinking and killing people now. He's like light, but... It was eyes instead. Yep. Anyway, that is how okay. death entered the world. Lovely. Okay. So I'm going to tell you my favorite 
Let's hear it. <laughs> it's actually quite funny because yours had a bit of cannibalism in it. Mm. Yours was like yours was like a little sprinkle. Mine is like the whole dish. <laughs> <laughs> he, to his defense, he didn't know. He didn't. Know. Mine is the whole. He only dish. recognized it after he okay. was taken that fire. So yeah. this story is called "How Cannibals Drove the People from the Insafar Mountain to Cross the River Ikom," and it's from the Southern Nigerian. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, so disclaimer, this has a lot of cannibalism, a lot of killing. I'm going to need a drink before that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is also funny because when I read this story title, I read it as how cannabis drove the people instead of cannibals. How and, cannabis. Yeah. I misread cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused about the story. And I was like, I read it again. And I was like, oh. I can imagine why that would be confusing. You'd be like, why did you <laughs> tell the story? Okay. So... Years ago, the oldest man alive in the towns of Ikom, Okuni, Abidjan, Insafan, and all the other indoor towns um, that were located near the Insafan mountain. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they had the oldest man alive in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And King Agbo was head of, head chief of the country. Okay. I tried to Google the mountain to see what it looked like, but there's no pictures. So That's we're just nice. going to go with the beautiful mountain scenic in nigeria mountain. Yeah. very scenic mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. beautiful like you know bit of grass i got the picture yeah, in my head nice. yeah. okay. I got it. y'all got it okay. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah this mountain was a two-day march um from the cross river mm-hmm. so obviously this was a time without public transport so you gotta walk everywhere okay gotta use your feet it's the, um, ghetto. <laughs> it's the ghetto i hate it here <laughs> uh none of these people in the country could swim and they didn't know anything about canoes or boats. So because of this, they didn't go anywhere outside their country. Um, mm. So when I say country, I'm not talking about Nigeria. I'm talking about like the place where all the towns were. That's what they refer to as country. Just in mm. case that sounds a bit confusing. Okay. So it's in Nigeria, but um, it's just a place with loads of towns. Mm. And this story refers to this place with loads of towns as a country. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, they didn't go anywhere outside their country because they were scared of the big river mm-hmm. and they couldn't swim, so they were just scared of it. Y'all can't um, swim. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> Can you swim? <laughs> Y'all talking too loud. Inside voice. The country itself was filled with yam farms, which were divided among the towns. You know the towns I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So each town had their own yam bush. Um, and at the end of the year, when it was time to dig up the yams, there was a big play held called the yam feast. Mm, that mm. sounds so good. Nope. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Buckle up because this is where it starts to go left. I'm hearing like, yams and you're saying it's bad. I, I I don't understand. So, wait, remember when we watched that movie Midsummer and it was nice and calm until they got to that place and it all started to go very yeah, left? That so was, this, yeah. Yeah, this is that. If you watch that movie, this, this is that. Okay. So, basically, at this festival, there was always a big human sacrifice where 50 slaves would be killed in one day. So, yeah, just imagine this. They'll be tied up to trees in a row, 50 of them, mm-hmm. as many drums were beaten, like, yeah. <laughs> not, not, no, not no. quite vibrant. I, I... And then a strong man armed with a sharp machete would go from one slave to another and cut their heads off. 
Damn. Yeah. Double homicide. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was 50 people. <laughs> so the point of this was to cool the new yams so that they wouldn't hurt the stomachs of the people. So until this sacrifice was made, no one could eat a new yam. And if they did, they would suffer a lot of stomach pain. Wait, 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 wait. So you were saying that the reason they're cutting off people's heads is to have something to watch whilst they wait for the yams to cool down? <laughs> it's so, okay, I'm going to explain to you the process, okay? I, cool. It's not so that the yams could cool down, it's so that the yams wouldn't hurt their stomach when they ate them. Yeah, so basically... When this feast was held, all mm. the towns would bring so many yams, like a hundred yams each, mm. each town, to present to the king. And then when the slaves were killed, the fires would be lit and the bodies of the slaves would be placed over the fires to burn their hair off. Okay? okay. And then they would then place plantain leaves on the ground and then cut up the bodies and put them on the leaves. Okay. And then once the yams were skinned, they would put the yams inside large pots with water, oil, pepper and salt. And then the cut up bodies they would put on top of the yams and leave it to boil for an hour. So that's why they killed the slaves. They could use them as part of the dish. I'm gonna need to see this recipe. Um, no, you may not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then once this happened, the king would then declare the new yam feast had commenced and people would sing and dance for three days and nights. And during this time, a lot of palm oil was consumed and all the bodies and the yams which had been provided would be eaten by the people. Mm. Okay, and the heads in particular were given to the king. And after he had eaten them, the skulls would be placed before the juju with some new yams and so that he could make sure that um, a good crop would grow the following season. So it's kind of like a ritualistic kind of thing. And then although these people um, would eat dead bodies with the slaves for the new yam feast, they didn't eat any human flesh during the rest of the year. So they weren't necessarily cannibals but they were cannibals for that one time of year if that makes sense so it's like the purge yeah like the purge where they had an annual kind of thing that happened mm, every just year just get it out of your systems just, now yeah yeah okay <laughs> so this went on for many years until the, the Coney people one of the town people mm-hmm. noticed that the graves of the people that they had buried like the graves of their loved ones their family their friends were being dug open and their bodies were being removed so they thought this is weird like why are why are bodies going missing of our dead relatives like what's going on like that's weird <laughs> that's, that's suspicious, suspicious. <laughs> 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 right. so naturally they complained to the king and the king ordered people to watch over the grave to see what's going on mm-hmm. that same night seven men were caught and what they would do they would come over to where a new body was buried, dig it up, carry it into a bush, make a fire, cook the body and eat it. And the king didn't like this. He said, this is bad custom. They don't eat bodies outside of the yam fest. They don't do that. They don't eat humans outside of the yam fest. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and even worse, it would be relatives. It'd be friends. It'd be people. It wouldn't be the 50 slaves that they killed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this was bad. And to stop this... Um, he said that the town should separate. Um, so each of the towns, they were in close proximity, proximity to each other, you know, mm-hmm. the country. And he told them, no, we need to stop this. So we need to separate our towns so that these greedy men wouldn't dig up our families' bodies and eat them. 
So he gave one man to each of the towns as they separated. And all the towns went on the far side of the big river. You know, the river I mentioned earlier that they mm-hmm. couldn't cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all went on the far side to make the new towns. Mm-hmm. Um, and each man was killed as a sacrifice for these towns. So now the king began to feel very lonely because he was just left with his town. All the other towns were like on the other side of the river. And he was like, oh, my friends. Y'all are boring. <laughs> so he left his old town and went to the cross river to live there so he could see his friends. Um, so after this, the New Yam feast was held in each town individually every year. And people still continue to kill and eat a few slaves at the feast. But the bodies of their relatives and friends like, so whenever anybody died from now mm. on, they'd keep them above ground and wait mm. for them to rot until they bury them so that greedy people wouldn't dig them up and eat them. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because he's like, if they leave the dead bodies to rot instead of burying them, then if you, if grave robbers do come, they'd be just bones and they can't um, eat them. Um, um, it'll, it'll be nasty. Exactly. This is, this is where it's nasty. <laughs> This point right here. <laughs> At this point is where it's nasty. So this is why today the people do not like to bury their dead until they've become putrid. And that is the end of the story. Wow. Yeah. Okay, um, I feel like a lot happened. You know, yeah, the New Yams feast, like. Ooh, that, yeah. That's a lot to stomach. Yeah, that silence, <laughs> that silence was intentional because that was dead. <laughs> oh man, that was good. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm not gonna lie; these stories are making me think um, that human meat sounds. No, nope. no, okay, okay, no, um, just me, cool. But it's quite funny how we both had like that aspect in our stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unplanned, unplanned. Yeah, but are you telling me that after hearing all of this, you're not? I'm going to call 999. No, like, uh, <laughs> we're okay, we're okay. I was just thinking about the stories and, you know, does this mean that a lot of people in the past were eating people? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, of course, like it's normal. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it definitely mm, happened. Mm, like, mm. yeah. But it's just interesting and, yeah, I like how... I really like your one with the, every time a giant, the giant closes eyes, someone dies. I won't, I, I won't lie. When I was telling my story, I didn't know where it was going. Like when I was reading it, I didn't know where it was going. I was like, wait, how does this relate to, to death? death? Yeah. Um, and I was thinking that he would play more of an active role in yeah. you know, the whole concept of death. But he only you know, took part in killing people mm. after he was sort of dead. But mm. he said, I am death. At the start. That's true. So to was he fair, really deaf? Yeah. I guess he was in the end because he kills people by blinking. Mm, now, maybe it was basically. like foreshadowing. Yeah. Um but yeah. but yeah, mine really didn't have anything to do with like the aspects of how death came into the world per se, but it's a cool like um legend on how these group of people dealt mm. with death and and their customs, and their really. customs, and yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if you see me in a certain festival with yams, mind your business, okay? Mind your business. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was. If really you see cool. some yams on our Instagram, mind your business. 
um, but yeah, that is all we have time for today. Those are yeah. um, some really interesting stories, starting off with the Orisha um, WIA. Yeah, based on our painting, Time Heals All. Yes, check it out. It's yeah. amazing. If you want some, hit us up. Um, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it was really interesting stories and learning about it is just... Hey, I just thought... It's actually a good idea to buy the painting oh, or the print. And then that way it's like Baba Luaye is watching over your house, your home, mm, and mm. no disease or corona will come to you. Yeah. She said it. I um, said it. She said it. Um, but yeah, so we started off with Baba Luaye and then we sort of ended off with different stories about death. Yeah. Um yeah, so I guess this is a stark difference from last week when we were talking about origins and creation. Yeah. Um, so you sort of now know the spectrum from the start to end, different cultures and how they understood creation mm-hmm. and, you know, how they understood, you know, how we sort of died or what and how happens. they deal with death and stuff yeah, like that. Or, yeah, you know, the customs around death. Um, yeah, so that is... That's it. Um, so... <laughs> We've reached the part where we talk about our African proverb of the week. Of the week. So I've got this week. Um, so this proverb is one that I've sort of made up. What? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I didn't make it up. It was something that I remember my mum saying to me when I was younger. And I'm not sure if I've made it more profound than it seems. Um but it was pretty profound to me. Um, and my mom's African, so African, African proverb of the week. Okay. Go on. Right. So it goes, um, those who eat first eat well. Um, so let me tell you the story of how it sort of came about. Um, so my mom had just finished cooking jollof meat. Um, she, she had just finished cooking jollof meat and all the works for a party in church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the kitchen keeping her company. When she finished, she asked if I was hungry. Um, maybe um, she could see my salivating mouth or um, maybe it was my grumbling stomach or maybe it was the constant subtle hints, mum, I'm hungry. I don't know. <laughs> she somehow picked up on the cues yeah, that I was somehow. hungry. Somehow, somehow, yeah. Um, but yes, um, she told me to get a plate um, to take some food. So I took the tiniest portion and... She asked, why such a small plate? Am I not that hungry? And I replied, um, the food is for the party and I don't want to finish to finish it. Um, and then that's when she said, don't worry. Don't worry about that. Those who eat first should eat well. Don't worry about the rations. There's an, like an abundance here. Um, so, you know, this is within reason, obviously. Um, but yeah, it kind of always stuck with me. It's you know, it's sort of true in a way is that like, you know, if you're rationing something, you know, those who, you know, come first, you know. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, first come, first serve yeah, sort, exactly. sort of thing. You don't have to worry about, you know, if there'll be enough, if you're one of the first. There's sort of like a peace of mind that comes that with being it, early yeah, yeah. or coming in first. And, you know, that's sort of like a privilege if, you know, if you're sort of first in something. So that's why it's, you know, it's always good to be early or to be one of the first in whatever you're doing mm. um, because you sort of have that peace of mind yeah. that there would be enough for you to enjoy. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I thought that, you know, that's that's a sort of good proverb. I like you know, it. Those who 
eat first, first eat, eat well. well. I like um, it. Yeah, so that's the African proverb, proverb of, the of the week. Lovely, thanks yeah. all. guys so much for listening to this episode we really appreciate it yeah um, um you can find the podcast on apple podcast on spotify, spotify. on our website sauk yeah on our rss feed um and if there's anywhere else that you sort of want to see it on i'm sure we can arrange that yeah just let us know just let us know yeah <laughs> but yes thank you again to everybody who rated our podcast you followed us you reviewed us especially thank you so much because it helps us a lot um, yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us yeah. on this journey. Um, it's such an interesting, you know, journey. I can say it again. Um, <laughs> with the stories that we're learning and telling you, you honestly, know, I love we're, it. we're literally hearing it at the same time as you are. So, yeah, you know, like, our reactions are oh, literally genuine. Like, I haven't had any of Solomon's stories until you told me, and mm-hmm. vice versa. So, yeah. it's just really interesting as well that we can say our processes behind what influenced our paintings and how, you know, our culture is just so ingrained in it and how interesting our culture is. Yeah. And these are stories that, you know, we would have never really heard before. Um, um, But now I have so many different and interesting stories that I'll be able to tell people or tell our children when they ask all these (laughs) questions. Wink, wink. <laughs> but yeah, it's just great because obviously these stories were told for hundreds and hundreds of years. And as the world has developed, they've gotten lost, um, especially as we know, diaspora have moved. Mm-hmm. But now we just want to bring them back and we just love it. I love hearing them. Yeah. And as long as you guys keep, sh- we will keep sharing it with you guys and you guys should share it with your <laughs> friends. I think that, you know, we should get the word out there. So make sure <laughs> like, comment, share, yeah. review. Please review because we love reading the reviews. It literally makes my day when someone reviews it. Yeah, you should really see her smile when she <laughs> sees a review. She's like, oh, what they said? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> it makes me happy. So guys, you know, do what you got to do to make us happy. Um, so this is all we have time for this week. And yeah, um, so we'll be releasing episodes bi-weekly. Yep, to every two weeks. Yes. Um, so yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for the next episode of Art Mythos. African mythology told, told through, through art, art by SA Art. Adrian Solomon. Adrian Solomon. Solomon. Adrian. <laughs>